This is the Community Connection, a podcast from Community Baptist Church in South Bend, Indiana. The purpose of this podcast is to better equip our church family to do the ministry of the gospel where God has planted us. Pastor Ben, we're having a very special conversation uh, today about the topic of spiritual gifts. I jotted down a few notes in preparation for this podcast. I did as well. I did as well. Would you um would you like to hear my notes? It's yeah. actually a story. <laughs> okay. I'm ready. About spiritual gifts during the French Revolution. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. Um during the French Revolution, these are just my notes. I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell you the story in reference to I my have notes. no idea where this is going. Well during the French Revolution there were actually um several Christians who, why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> who I'm were, wonder, uh, I'm wondering, I know all the books on your shelf. I'm trying to figure out which one you got this from. <laughs> all of the books on my shelf? Most of them. Um, who were sentenced to be death, sentenced to be killed. Three of them sentenced to death and uh, each gifted differently by the spirit. <laughs> and um, why are you laughing? It's funny and the first uh the first christian set to be executed he was asked if he wanted to put a hood over his head before he went to the guillotine and this christian you see had the gift of of faith and he laid down in the guillotine and uh, they said so do, you, do you want a hood oh and goodness. the guy's like no i don't I, I i have faith that god will deliver me and they pulled the lever and sure enough the guillotine malfunctioned oh my goodness. and they said wow you do have the spiritual gift of faith and they let him go do you believe that no. Yeah, so in walks this the second so one. And the uh, the second one actually had a very debated gift of prophecy. Ooh. Yeah, he did. And uh, and Who's the executioners um, the executioners asked him if he was afraid and if he wanted the hood. And he said, no, I'm not afraid. God's going to deliver me from his guillotine. That's a prophecy. It will come true. And sure enough, he lays down and they pulled the lever and nothing happened. It's pretty amazing. And uh, so he got up and he left. And the third one comes in and he says uh, this. He was he had a very specific spiritual gift. He had the spiritual gift of helps. And he saw the first two and thought, man, this is this is going to go pretty well. And so he laid down and he face up on the guillotine and they pulled the lever and it didn't happen. And he looked up and he goes, hey, I think I see your problem up there. I can help you fix it. <laughs> Where did you get that? <laughs> so bad. <laughs> spiritual gifts that's what we're talking about right what what better way to begin the conversation <laughs> and the reality is is that's where we can go because spiritual gifts are just so widely understood that there is no possibility for misconception well i gave occur. that i gave that illustration to actually prove a point and that is that we need to do a podcast on spiritual <laughs> gifts. So you can tell the story or because we can clear up some misconceptions? No, oh, because there are a lot of people who misunderstand this whole concept. In fact, um, maybe some in this room. I, I am not a prophet in the sense of, of fore, foretelling the future, but I would think that we could probably do a couple podcast on this topic. I would think so. And uh, so we'll start the conversation here and continue it on in future uh, in future episodes, maybe in a row, which would be really nice, um, to talk about this concept of 
of spiritual gifts. I mean, a lot of people get this wrong. They get a little bit freaked out by it. Maybe they get they, they see this in a, in a, in a hyper-mystical way. They misunderstand how they're supposed to use their spiritual gifts, what a spiritual gift is, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, the truth is, is that this has been so misunderstood that you can, you can go on the internet right now and you can take some sort of personality test and try to, and, and that personality test, which is a, a computer program, right? Just a series of numbers is going to confidently tell you what your spiritual gift is. And, uh, and that's very concerning to me. Is that concerning to you? It is concerning to me. I think it, I, I think it's just blatantly misunderstands the majority of what the scriptures teach. I mean, right off the bat, I think it's obvious that whatever a spiritual gift is, it very often comes to our lives in uh, uh, contradiction to our personalities. You think about a person who is clearly empowered by the spirit for a task, like a man, Moses, Moses, by his own admission, did not have the personality or qualities in himself necessary for the execution of the task of leading the people of Israel out of Egypt. And that yeah. kind of self-doubt resurfaces multiple times. And the point of his empowerment was that it was a sovereign act of God mm. overlaid on him rather than merely the, the amplification of something that Moses already possessed. Yeah, because he said, I'm not a good leader. I can't talk well. How are people going to follow me? Is Pharaoh going to listen to me? And all this kind of stuff. And and God says, I will gift you for this. Yeah. I, I will empower you. It's through my spirit's power that you're going to accomplish this. So I think that that just helps us understand where we even begin the conversation. We don't begin the conversation with us. Hmm. We, we begin the conversation understanding uh, where the spiritual gift comes from and for what purpose the spiritual gift is given. Well, okay, and let's let's um, go at the let's start at the very beginning, which is a very good place to start. Um, and let's start with the truth that spiritual gifts are only given to believers. Is that a true or a false statement? I would say that's a true statement. I would believe that to be a true statement as well. Is that there is that the holy spiritual gifts come from the Holy Spirit present within us. And if you are not a believer, if you do not have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, if you're not a genuine believer, then you do not possess spiritual gifts. I would agree. Accurate? Yeah. Okay. So then we would say those who are genuine believers, those who are saved, those whom the Holy Spirit, and we're talking about all these, these are all the same statements, right? Those who are saved, those who are genuine believers, those who the Spirit resides in you because there no, there's no one who is saved in whom the Holy Spirit has not taken up residence, right? Correct, yeah. And so, so the Holy Spirit then gifts people. Why don't you actually wrote a book about this. It's really more like a pamphlet. It, yeah, yeah, it is. It's more of an extended uh, journal of thought. <laughs> <laughs> like a 75-page shorter catechism. Um, about <laughs> a, uh, ben, ben wrote a booklet for our church, which I'm sure if somebody's listening to this and they do not go to our church, I'm sure they could. we would email them a copy yeah. for a small fee of nothing. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and we'd, we'd happily mail him a copy that would walk through his concept. But since you've done the majority of the study on this, and since you've done the majority of the thinking on this in this room, and there's only two of us here, um, why don't you tell us a little bit from a foundational standpoint, if somebody comes up to you and they say, what is a spiritual gift in scripture? How would you answer that? Yeah. I, there's probably two statements that I would make, and this is probably the result of my, my uh, 
limitations in this topic that I haven't been able to get it down to one statement. But I think the first thing I would say to them is that a spiritual gift is a special ability granted by the Holy Spirit to a believer for some method of or mode of edification of the church. Of the church, yeah. And what's the second? The second would be that um, be more about how to think about them okay. and uh, how, what they look like. I would say that a spiritual gift are, a spiritual gift is um, uh, an active working out of spiritual virtues. Okay. That when we have qualities of character, such as the fruits of the spirit, mm-hmm. faith, joy, love, peace, long-suffering, goodness, meekness, temperance, self-control, these things... Um, when those things are worked out skillfully, um, very often it is the result of the spirit's particular empowering, uh, in, in the form of a spiritual gift. Uh, now all of us are called to work out all of those qualities in our lives, Mm -hmm. but by God's grace, some of those qualities, we're going to have extra divine assistance in the working of those things out. Okay, so let's let's go. Let's start with the definition, and we'll just kind of work our way through this. Yeah. So this is a spiritual gift would be a special gift, a special ability, a special ability. And so this special ability, like you just referenced, may be something that everyone is commanded to do, but this person may have a special ability in this area. So can you unpack that a little bit for yeah. us? Yeah, um, I think that you've got quite a few passages of scripture that kind of lay out the concept of spiritual gifts. You've got uh, Romans 12 talks a bit about it. You've got the passages in 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 12 and uh, in 14 a little bit of some of that as well. Um, but then you've got a really crucial passage in, in 1 Peter. Um, and in 1 Peter, uh, the apostle talks about how each one needs to use his gifting for the good of the body. Um, and he basically gives two categories. He talks about people who teach in their teaching and he talked about people who serve. Um, and I think that <clears throat> you can take those two categories and more or less take every other longer list that the Apostle Paul gives and subdivide it into those two things. And I have a couple different reasons for that. First of all is because of how Peter divides that into two general categories. There are acts of service, that which uh, helps the body um, mm-hmm. through physical activity to meet needs or to support uh, material ministry, that which we do in the material world. Mm-hmm. And then the other is is teaching. And teaching is the use of biblical truth in order to, uh, uh, to help another person grow spiritually, just in its most basic sense. And every other spiritual gift that you could name could be separated out into those two categories. Now, beyond the, the passage in First Peter, I think there's another reason for us to think about spiritual gifts in these two ways. And it's because of the fact that teaching and serving, which Peter defines as t- the two major spiritual gifts that he exhorts his readers to, to emulate in their lives, depending on how they're gifted, those two giftings are enshrined in the offices of the church, in the elder, and in the deacon. Hmm. In a deacon, ideally, you have a person who lives a godly, qualified life in their character, who then on top of that has a willingness and a gifting to serve the church so that physical needs are met. Mm -hmm. In the life of an elder or a pastor, you have a person who, Lord willing, has a godly, qualified, verified life who above and beyond that has a desire and a competency to read the scriptures and 
speak those scriptures and those truths clearly to other people. So in the offices of the church, in pastor and deacon, you have the two major categories of spiritual gifts given, I think, as kind of ideal examples for the church such that the leadership of the church in spiritual gifts is an example to the rest of the church. Mm. Elders lead the church by giving an example of the proper use of the spiritual gift of teaching. Deacons provide a form of leadership to the church by giving an example to the congregation of what the gift of serving worked out looks like. Yeah, and I think so this is real this is really important to to talk about in this conversation is that just because we say that two categories are teaching and serving, I've actually heard a um, kind of a uh, not a rebuttal, but a, but a, a statement of a question of clarification, I should say, of saying, are you saying that the teachers don't serve, and that those who are serving are responsible for teaching? We say no, not at right, all. Right. And and just in the same way that that someone, I, I think this can be misunderstood, of of people saying, well, there are some spiritual gifts that are limited to sitting back and being served, and there are some spiritual gifts that are meant to serve other people. Rather, what you're saying, which is so important, is that God has given us two basic categories as seen in the church, illustrated by the church offices of God gifting people to edify the body of the church by unfolding for them the word of God, meeting their spiritual needs and serving them by meeting their physical needs. Right. And, and when we see those natural abilities worked out in the church that they're going to fall under those two areas. Right. And as those abilities then are, as you see someone who perhaps um, possesses a supernatural ability or, or, or a uh, heightened ability in one area, you look and say, wow, God may be gifting this person to be a, to, to, to be serving in a very special place in this church. Right, and I think that there's there's a couple things we have to say with that, because that's such an important thing, and you brought out, it's so exactly right. Because you think about like a pastor or teacher, does the fact that a person's a pastor mean that they're exempt from serving? No, obviously no. not. The scriptures tell us that, right? Mm -hmm. Because the Bible says, be all of you clothed with humility, mm -hmm. um, in lowliness of mind, considering the other better than themselves. That's, that's given just across the board to everybody. We yeah. ought to all be meeting the needs of everybody. Mm -hmm. However, there is a particular spiritual gift or skill in which pastors excel and in which God has called them to spend a greater amount of their time mm -hmm. devoted to that particular function. And that's what makes them the body part that Paul mm -hmm. talks about in 1 Corinthians 12. You think about a deacon. Okay, let's say a deacon uh, has... Man, you know, getting up on a platform and opening up God's word is literally like the scariest or last thing they would want to do in their entire life. Like you, you pick a torture chamber and or standing up on a platform mm -hmm. and speaking in front of people, and they know exactly what they're picking every yeah. single time. Uh, but does that mean that they're exempt from teaching within the church? Well, no, no. because the Great Commission still applies to them. They are mm -hmm. still required to use their words to speak the gospel clearly and articulately to people who are lost. Yeah. Um, if they're a father, then they are required by Scripture to teach uh, the Lord to their children. They're supposed to bring their children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's a, that's a distinctly verbal concept, that their training would be both verbal and physical in bringing their children along and understanding the Scriptures. So the point of it is that everybody's required to be a teacher on some level at some point in some way within the church. Everybody's required to serve within the church to the best of their ability as God gives them opportunity. It's only to say that for each of these qualities, the Holy Spirit is going to sovereignly gift certain people in the congregation with an ability in that requirement 
that outstrips that of the average person. And that actually functions in a couple of different ways. First of all, it creates great efficiency because if we were all moving at the same speed in our sanctification in every area, the church would stumble along. Mm. The Holy Spirit in gifting people for the body makes it such that people can know that they are helping the body uh, and, and being productive within the body uh, without all of us kind of being, you know, at the same inching forward level. The other thing is that when the Spirit gifts some people in a way that uh, kind of sets them ahead of the pack in a particular quality or command from Scripture such that it would be a spiritual gift, it becomes an example to the rest of the congregation of how to do that thing that they're not very good at. So a person who has a gift of teaching can actually, in their gift of teaching, give an example to the congregation of what good teaching sounds like, and even provide instruction on how to do that thing. A deacon, um, in his role of service, can not only serve effectively, but can look around at people in the church and say, God's gifted me in this way. Come alongside me and learn how to do what I do, because this is how God's gifted me. And. It would be an accurate statement to say, I'm assuming, that this spiritual gift is not necessarily, hopefully, and I shouldn't say hopefully, in most cases, is not necessarily in contradiction to how someone is um, wired in their temperament sure. or their personality. Right. But but we never want to equate personality with spiritual gifts. That's exactly right. We never want to equate temperament with spiritual gifts. I think some people say things like, you know, I've got the spiritual gift of sarcasm or I've got this, and some people say that, of course, sarcastically, um, or I've got the spiritual gift of uh, of a hot temper or I've got the spiritual gift of, of making money, you know, right, or, or right. whatever it would be. We never want to equate that, but... Um, in, I guess we would say it would be an exception or a rare case in which someone's spiritual gifting would be totally antithetical to the way that God has created them in their personality and in their natural abilities. True, but not without precedent in history. And that's what I'm saying. For instance, there, I've served under a pastor who was a, a phenomenal preacher. And um, and what most people didn't know is that um, in, in personal conversations – he wasn't, and he would tell you this, he, he would rather be alone by himself with a book somewhere um, than he would be be with people. Mm-hmm. But yet when he stood in front of people to preach, uh, it was as if he was the most personal, um, the, the, the exhortation was there, the illustrations were there, the application was there, and God had given him a unique ability to teach that um, rather than than uh, than act, than than God um, using his personality in the pulpit, God actually gave him a spiritual gift that was contrary to his personality in the pulpit mm. for the benefit of the church. Yeah, and the reason I think this is important is because um, I don't think that people need to make this conversation too complicated. Right, but nor do they need to make it too mystic. Um, to say, okay, it, it is very probable that God is gifting you to serve in the church in the ways that you enjoy serving, in the ways that you enjoy um, leading or or teaching or whatever it would be, but also in the ways that naturally fits your personality most of the time. Yeah. Would that yeah. would that be would that be accurate? Is that dangerous to say? You think we're? I, you think that's I, no, no. I don't misleading? think it's dangerous. I think I think it, it probably shouldn't be the first question you ask. Okay, so what should be the first question we ask? The first question you should ask is, what does this? What does the scriptures tell me about how to live as a Christian? Hmm. 
I think the first thing we, we do is we identify the fruits of the Spirit. And the reason I say that is this, um, and you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but uh, the reason a person couldn't say that I have the spiritual gift of sarcasm, um, even if they were being serious and say, well, my personality is bent that way. I, I want to use sarcasm for the kingdom. It's my spiritual gift. I want to use sarcasm to uncover in a dramatic and forceful way the subtle lies that the world is telling us in the church. So like if a person says that to you, what are you going to say? Well, no, it's not your spiritual gift. It might be a particular ability that you have, but it's not a spiritual gift, number one, because anybody outside the church can be as sarcastic or more sarcastic than you, and that doesn't make them spiritual. The right use of a personality in a sanctified way doesn't define the spiritual gift. The first thing is whether or not the spirit has empowered it. And those things are things that are defined by things the world can't truly possess, hmm. which are the fruits of the Spirit. So let's do this. Why don't we, in this podcast, uh, flesh out just a little bit this um, box or, or can that you just opened, whichever it would be, not that it matters, um, of the difference between natural ability and spiritual gifting. Sure. And in the next podcast, what we will uh, unpack a little bit how to discover your spiritual gift sure and how and how that should be used in the context of the church yeah. does that make sense yeah yeah so let's focus the rest of the time on the difference in natural ability which you just which you just introduced in a spiritual gift so we right. say okay i have an ability to play soccer soccer is my spiritual gift you would say no, no. it's not right why don't you help me understand i'm really convinced i can use soccer for the kingdom yeah yeah, no, that's a great question. And not everybody may agree with me. As I've thought about it, this is how I've come to understand these categories. I agree with you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> it means a lot. Uh, no, the first thing we have to understand is it's difficult because we use uh, the word gift to describe two different kinds of things. Yep. Uh, the Bible says that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. And the point of that is to say, whenever something good happens in our life, we always attribute it to God. And in mm -hmm. fact, all things that happen in life come because God works all things according to the counsel of his good pleasure. Mm -hmm. uh, that being said, um, everything about you is a gift from God. Uh, everything about you is the reflection of a good God who made you in his image. And you have a particular limited finite personality that has a bent towards certain things. And some of those things in and of themselves are goods. Um, some of them are in and of themselves evil, that they contradict the will of God. But some of the things, even in your natural fallen state, you have a bent towards things that considered in themselves are good. You may not pursue them, and as an unbeliever, you won't pursue them in a way that's pleasing to God, and none of your good works in that way can be pleasing to God. But it doesn't mean that an unbeliever can never perform a work that in itself is good, or pursue a calling, vocation, or skill that in itself is a good and reflective thing towards the glory of God. So for instance, soccer is a good thing in and of itself. It is an exhibition of the strength of humanity that reflects the skill and uh, intricacy and organization of the creator. And, you know, I don't know soccer super well, but you, you could talk about that. Yeah, we yeah, could yeah. say the same thing about painting. We could say the same thing about various uh, genres of music. We could talk about... Um, we could talk about welding or woodworking in much the same way. That Those are good things. They work for the flourishing of humanity. They're expressions of society in unity together, and so they're good things. If a person is particularly good at woodworking, that is a gift from God. 
but it's a natural gift from God. It fund, falls under the purview or the umbrella of God's, what we call his common grace. And so we would call that an ability. An ability. And uh, that ability is a gift from God, but that ability is determined primarily through the directing of your will to gain skill in addition to natural predispositions through uh, genetic traits. Um, and with that being the case, there are a great many things we do in the church that are a result of the common grace of God poured out blessingly on his children within the church to perform certain things. So if I get up on Sunday morning and I lead the singing and I lead our hymn of the month, Here is Love, and if I sing it particularly well that morning, is that a gift from God? Yes. And that's a result of God blessing my efforts to sing to the very best of my ability with the skills that I've practiced for you know however long. But that's not my spiritual gift because any unbeliever could get up and sing it as well and many of them much better than I could sing it. Mm. Um, but it doesn't make it spiritual. Mm. Uh, and so we need to distinguish very carefully between what we call a natural gift and a spiritual gift. And so I'm gonna restate a little bit about what you just said, and you can see if what if what I'm saying is incomplete or, or even worse, if it's wrong, okay? Is to say that spiritual gifts in the life of the believer stem from spiritual virtues that are really rooted, uh, or you could say flow from, sprout from the fruit of the Spirit, Yeah, that God is, is working in your life in a unique way to a unique um, heightened sense to be an example for others to see in the church. Yeah. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, a spiritual gift flows from the indwelling of the spirit, Yeah, yeah which yeah. is seen primarily in those spiritual virtues that are commanded of the believer, which only a believer can truly reproduce in their lives. Which means the more that I grow in my sanctification, in my holiness, the more my spiritual gift will be evident. In many ways, you can see the spiritual maturity or lack of maturity of a believer by the activation of their spiritual gift. Because the reality is, is that a more, the more a person becomes conformed to the image of Christ, the more they're going to pounce on opportunities to actively serve the church in the best ways that they know how. And so what I'd like to do is maybe bring this kind of to a close in understanding. We're going to recap really briefly what a spiritual gift is and is not. And then in our next podcast, what we'll look at is, okay, since this is what a spiritual gift is, what is the purpose of this gift? How do I, how do I discover or how do I function within my gift? Where do I do this? And, uh, and kind of what role does it play for the kingdom of God? I think because what's interesting is I think everybody wants to answer those second questions. Mm -hmm. And no doubt there will be some who come to the end of this podcast and go, well, I thought they were going to talk about right, right. how to discover my spiritual gift. And right. go, well, I think before we have those conversations, we first have to be anchored and ingrained in our mind about what it is that I'm even looking for. Right. Spiritual gift is something given to Christians by the Holy Spirit that is uh, flows from the Holy Spirit, anchored in the fruit of the Spirit that is a, a spiritual virtue used to serve God's church. And uh, it, it's not uh, natural abilities of music 
or sports. You know, I think the, the music one gets picked on a lot in church services because of the prevalence of, of special music or maybe groups leading worship or a singular person leading worship who has natural music abilities. And, and music is such an important part of our worship. I think that one gets picked on a lot, and maybe rightfully so, that somebody would say, well, music is my spiritual gift. And we would say, well, no, it's not. There's that music is not inherently a, a spiritual virtue. And so what is the spiritual gift that's present there in serving uh, in, uh, in music? And that's what, we'll, that's what we'll get to next week. Any closing thoughts you want to kind of wrap this up? That would be maybe a help to somebody who's trying to readjust their mind or begin this conversation with their family. Right. Yeah. I think that honestly, the most important thing and place to start is not really even to think about spiritual gifts so much as to give your focus and attention towards developing the fruit of the spirit in your life. Mm. When you when you submit to the spirit and you're not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, it, it's amazing how quickly these dominoes actually do fall into mm. place in the life in the church as you, as a, a believer with an open relationship to God, walking in submission to the spirit, you're just going to find, it's weird, it's, you, you won't believe it till it happens, but you're just going to find that God opens up avenues for your service to be helpful to the church in tangible ways. Amen. And may that be the testimony of every believer as we seek to live for God in the context of our local church.